Well, hey there, everyone. This is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast coming at you from beautiful La Cruz de Guanacaxley, Mexico. Doing a little bit of R&R here. And my special guest for today is Josh Cantwell, all the way from Ohio. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm awesome, Dave. Thanks so much for having me on, all the way from Mexico. There um, you go. It's, it's got to love technology, <laughs> man. Yeah, appreciate you plugging in while you're out getting some R&R. So that's great. Thanks for having me on. So if you're not familiar with Josh, Josh is a very real estate entrepreneurial kind of guy. Josh is proud to say he's never had a boss in his adult life. He's been an entrepreneur all his adult life, and he's done a lot with real estate. In fact, over 700 deals and 25 states, currently focusing on multifamily properties, 2,200 apartment units in his portfolio, over $30 million of other people's money being managed to get these apartment buildings. So uh, I think we can learn a lot from you here today, Josh. Thanks for thanks again for being on the call. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see how much you can learn. No, <laughs> Especially in 15 minutes, but we'll do our best. All right, yeah. Josh, so, so why don't we start with this? How'd you get involved in the whole crazy world of real estate investing in the first place? Yeah, yeah, great question. So the short version is I was a financial advisor. I came out of college and everybody, my dad was in the financial services world on the employee benefits side. I jumped in as a personal financial planner. So at 21 years old, I got my series six, 66, 63 life and health. And I quickly realized within a couple of years that most of my most successful clients had real estate holdings. They didn't have all their money in the stock market. And when we talked, they were more passionate about their real estate deals, their apartments, their single family rentals, their buildings, than their, you know, than their stock market investments. And when I would talk to them about an eight, 10% return, in the stock market, they would laugh at me and say, I can do way better than that in real estate. And they were right. And so I took notice and I bought my first investment property in 2001. I was just 24 years old. I bought a duplex. I actually moved into part of it. So I was able to live there for about a hundred bucks a month. And so I realized very quickly, I could run out the upstairs. I rented out one of the rooms to one of my buddies. I was getting, it's a 24 year old. I was getting $900 a month in rent. And my mortgage was only a thousand bucks a month and I was living almost for free. So I kind of fell into it because my clients were doing it and I was lucky to have caught the bug for income properties at a very young age. Yeah. Well, that's really, really cool. And I can, I can understand the whole financial planner thing. My brother was a financial planner for a couple of decades. I looked at doing that myself briefly until I kind of studied the whole thing about mutual funds. I'm going, geez, I, I, I don't think I'd want to buy one of these things. Why the hell would I want to sell anybody? Yeah. That's how I feel today after you studied it for a minute and came to that conclusion. I actually did it for seven years. And today, looking at all the, the history and the research, it's amazing that more people are not involved in real estate. There's exactly. lots and lots of people who are, but it's amazing that we've been conditioned as a society that mutual funds, 401ks is the way to create wealth. And it's really the opposite of the truth. But it's glad you came to that conclusion very quickly. It took me about seven years to get there. Well, hey, man, <laughs> I, was a little, I was a little older than you were when I, when I was taking a look at that, that's for sure. sure. But yeah, you're so right. And why, why, why is society conditioned to this? You know, not to be a conspiracy theorist, but I kind of am. As, you know, whose benefit is it for us to be buying mutual funds and for us to be investing in GICs and all this crap that we're told is what we're supposed to be doing? Right. Who benefits from that, right? So we kind of got to look yep. behind the curtain there. Very, very good, Josh. Well, that's a big leap to go to going from being a financial planner, very young guy as a financial planner, to owning 2,200 
apartment units in your yeah. portfolio in a, you know, big picture, in a relatively small period of time, short period of time. So how did you, how did you kick things into gear? How did that progression look for you? Yeah, I think it's very much my path, Dave, is very similar to what most people probably envision. You know, starting with maybe buying your first property, stumbling into it. And then I went to seminars. I went to events. I read books. And some of the guys that wrote the books have become personal friends of mine. A guy named Peter Conti was one of the first books I read. I became personal friends with Peter and hung out at his you know, mansion in the Chesapeake Bay. It was, it was unbelievable for me to hang out with the guy that I once read a, a book from. And what I did was I thought about what, what would I like to do? And I immediately gravitated towards foreclosures. Cleveland at that time was already experiencing in 2004, was already experiencing a foreclosure crisis. We had 10 major companies, Fortune 500 companies that were either consolidated, bought, sold, or moved out of the area. So there was a loss of jobs and there was foreclosures happening. So when I went to these seminars and I thought about what was I going to do to get motivated sellers, I started doing direct mail marketing and talking to sellers and getting referrals. And sure enough, everybody that called me back said, hey, I've got a property. It's worth 150, but I owe 175 on it. And I thought, well, I'm getting this so often. Like, I've got to find a way to make money from these deals with no equity. So I, I really focused on the short sale niche. I focused on pre-foreclosures and short sales. Started in 2004 until 2008. That's when everybody had short sales. So all of a sudden, by 2008, I already had hundreds of deals under my belt. And I became one of the nation's leading teachers, gurus, you know, professors, speakers, seminars around short sales. And I did it by accident because everyone was like, wow, you've already been doing this for four years. We're experiencing a national crisis, but you've already got a couple hundred deals under your belt. Teach me how to do it. And so we did that all the way up until 2010, 2011. I was essentially a wholesaler, wholesaling short sales, teaching that strategy. And we made millions and millions of dollars doing it. In 2011 though, Dave, I... I had the pivot and for most people, they pivot from, I'm going to wholesale to maybe doing rehabs or rentals or wholesaling yeah. residential to go into commercial. For me, a lot of people have gone through different economic cycles. And in 2008, everybody went through this recession. For me, I went through a personal recession in 2011. I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, Oh wow! advanced pancreatic cancer. I had to go through about four to five months worth of testing and preparing. And then finally in uh, November, uh, 2011, I had this massive, massive surgery and was basically ripped away from my real estate business. And when I was ripped away from it, I was forced to spend time thinking about what I did well and what I did wrong. And what I realized is that I basically had a very well paying job yeah. flipping real estate deals. I did not have consistent income. I did not have recurring income. I really wasn't building any wealth. I was building an income. And during that time, I had bought a couple properties with private money. I rehabbed them. I flipped them and sold them. And I did almost no work of my own. I hired contractors. So it dawned on me, and this was one of the big epiphanies for me, was that funding equals freedom because funding allows you to buy the asset. It allows you to own the asset. And today, we own tons of assets, so 2,400 units of apartments. But it really came out of my experience in fighting cancer that I had screwed it all up. So I took time away. And then, now, then for the next three or four years, I focused just on getting access to capital, buying rental properties, lending on rehabs, and creating cash flow through rentals, big flips, and becoming a private lender. And that went from 2012 all the way until about 2017. And then in 2017, we built a fund. 
And we started growing up and really doing focusing on what we call mid-market multifamily. Mid-market multifamily is that $1 million to $25 million space, mid-market multifamily. So it's been, it's been, Dave, it's been an evolution, I would say. I think and most people envision their real estate career kind of along that same path. You learn a few things, you make a pivot. Learn a few things, make a pivot. And so today, all we do now is lend on, joint venture on, and buy multifamily. That's all we do. But it's been a 15-year or a 13-year process. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's interesting how sometimes it takes a crisis, a major crisis like that. And by the way, thank goodness, obviously, everything turned out well because pancreatic cancer. Yeah. Not that I know very much about it, but that's one of the they're all they're all serious, but that one's super duper serious, yeah. as I understand. So it is congratulations. Yeah, yeah. most people say. I mean, Alex Trebek from Jeopardy is fighting it right now. So prayers and a shout out to him, and God bless him. But you know, I mean, Steve Jobs literally had the exact same diagnosis as I did and didn't make it. So you know, I'm very very fortunate to be even sitting here with you right now. Yeah, so, well, definitely, and I think that gives a guy some clarity. That gave you that time that you needed to figure out. Hey, you know what I've been doing is fantastic for creating cash flow as long as I'm doing it. But when I stop it, that's when the cash flow stops. So yeah, having that epiphany about the long-term value. But then again, hats off to you for taking super duper massive action, you know, not, <laughs> not just going small, but like building up a massive portfolio very, very quickly. So let me ask you a few questions in the few minutes we got left sure. here about, first of all, what are you doing nowadays? Because it sounds like you're very, very astute marketer when it comes to real estate investing, especially when you're marketing for foreclosures, all that kind of stuff. Different field now with multifamily properties. What are some of the ways that you find your best deals? Is it all through brokers or, or do you go direct to sellers sometimes too? I will tell you what I just did an hour ago. I got a referral from a realtor that said, hey, there's this, there's this other broker who lists and sells a lot of multifamily properties. And this would be, I would consider smaller multifamily between half a million to two million. So even though I got the introduction through one broker to another, when I go out to these meetings, we have a tremendous amount of professional marketing collateral. So I've written a book. I take the book. I've got a credibility kit that's about 10 pages long that talks about how we lend on joint venture and buy multifamily. We go through a number of deals that we specifically work on. So we use professional marketing, digital marketing, both online and offline, digital and analog marketing to really make ourselves stand out because there's a lot of guys out there saying, show me all your multifamily. Doesn't matter if it's direct to seller, doesn't matter if it's through a broker, but the people that stand out are the people that look and act the part. So normally I don't wear a suit, Dave, to work. Normally I'm in a golf shirt and I like Converse shoes and jeans, but today I got to look and act like a guy that has a $200 million portfolio because I do, and I've got to walk in and act the part. So I would say, look, if you're, if you're looking for multifamily, especially the larger stuff. Now, the stuff, Dave, that's between 250000 and $2 million, we do get a lot of that stuff direct to seller, direct through marketing. We buy it from wholesalers. It's not happening through brokers, okay. not as much. But when you get it to $2 million and up, the sellers are more sophisticated the buyers are more sophisticated, the attorneys, the deals are more sophisticated, then those are typically done through brokers. But what we do is I don't go in with a buyer's agent. I go right to the broker who's got the listing. I tell them right away, they can double end the deal. They can get both commissions. I'm going to protect myself with an attorney, 
who's going to look at all my documents and all the rent rolls and all the lease agreements. But when you're up at that 2 million and up range, there's just not that many deals happening unless there's a broker involved. Another deal I did earlier this summer, 164 unit was with a friend of mine, Jack Petrick. Jack got introduced to the deal because we had closed together. We had closed a bunch of smaller multifamily, 15 units, 20 units, 25 units. All of a sudden this 165 unit popped up and the local Marcus and Millichap office was approached by a seller that was off market. He approached Marcus and Millichap knowing that they're a big player in our area. Well, Marcus and Millichap brought it directly to us. Nobody else ever got involved. They never brought it to anyone but us because they knew we were closing smaller deals that were tougher to close, tougher to find, tougher to get funding for. So we proved ourselves by closing some of the smaller deals locally. And then we, that we got an opportunity for a $10 million deal. So I would say, you know, on the smaller deals under 2 million, definitely going direct to seller works, definitely going through wholesalers works, networking works over 2 million and up. You're going to have a harder time doing deals unless there's a listing broker involved. Very, very cool. So Josh, are you, uh, is your company still doing some of those smaller deals? Yeah. Yeah. So okay, cool. I have a six unit I'm looking at buying. The guy that I met with this morning, he's got $18 million worth of inventory. He says he's going to show me. That's a combination of 10 different projects. One of them is as small as a six unit. There's a 10 unit. There's a 14 unit. We'll look at all that stuff because that's in our backyard. Okay. But if we're outside of the Cleveland area, the Cleveland Akron Canton area, because we have joint ventures that we've done in Oklahoma and in Savannah, Georgia, Macon, Georgia, Albany, Georgia, those bigger deals we do with joint venture partners outside of our area, but they have to be really big to have economies of scale. All right. So switching gears a little bit here. Thank you very much for sharing about how you find the deals. Now let's talk a little bit about how you find the money and not how you're doing it right now, because you got the track record, you got the credibility, you got all this kind of stuff. But if you could rewind back to the day when you were first starting out and sure. knowing, now, knowing what you know now or what, you, what kind of suggestions you give your clients and your students, how do you suggest people get started when it comes to raising private capital? Sure. Well, first of all, I think you have to have an irresistible offer, right? So that's a, a fancy way of saying, don't be a cheap ass, right? So an irresistible offer to me over the years, we've done lots of different things, residential, commercial. But when I got started, I really had a lot of success because I told potential investors First of all, I would educate them without ever pitching them, okay? This is important. So I made a list when I was a financial advisor and I was pivoting to real estate. When I was a financial advisor, they taught us, make a list of what they called your project 100, which was 100 people that were in your sphere. Gary Keller teaches the same thing at Keller Williams in his book. Northwestern Mutual, financial planning firm, one of the best in the world, teaches the same thing. A lot of realtors, when you start your business, you know, who are people that you can connect with? People that already know you, like you, trust you. Not that they're going to private lend to you, not that they're going to buy a house from you or sell a house, but just so that they can basically cheerlead for you. So I did the same thing in financial services. I did the same thing in real estate. I made a list of my Project 100. I started sending out a quarterly, back then it was monthly, newsletter to them about real estate. It was a physical snail mail in the mail newsletter. And I talked a little bit on the first page about myself. I kind of bragged a little bit about myself. Second page was typically some deals that I was either buying or deals I was selling or even deals that looked like good deals that I wasn't buying. So if you don't have any inventory, just showcase some inventory. And then the third page, I would typically tell a story about a deal or how a deal could be structured. If you have no deals, 
talk about a deal, a deal could be structured. Then the back page was just the call to action. You know, call me at this number. And these are people that I already had relationships with. I didn't know, Dave, if they had any money or not. No idea. I wasn't soliciting for private money. What I would say to them is, I pay my private lenders 12% interest or 15% of my profits, whichever is greater. So your floor is 12%, but it could be much higher. And I would go through a process of educating them. But I, instead of saying, do you have any money to lend to me? What I would say is, do you know anybody that would like to learn more about what I do in real estate? And how I pay this 12% interest or 15% of the profit. I'm not assuming you're interested at all, but do you know anyone? And what they would say was over and over and over, and I caught on to this, they would say, well, Josh, what about me? What about me? <laughs> Smart. Right? So then they would like, because I was almost ignoring the fact that they could be a private lender. What I found is that worked to my advantage. I educated them with no pressure. I talked to them about my business. I asked them if they could give me referrals for people who could be private lenders, or people who could sell houses. People could buy houses for me or if they could cheerlead for me. And at the end, it sounded so juicy and there was no pressure involved. They would be like, well, you're buying houses and you're all in at 65 or 70 cents on the dollar. I get 12% interest or 15% of the profit. What about me? Why wouldn't I do that? So I would take, I would go back and tell your audience to take the same approach. My very first private lender was actually my brother's mother-in-law. Nice. Okay. And the reason why that worked was I had a great deal. And I educated her with no pressure. Then she said, well, how does it work? I said, you basically make the loan. She said, Josh, instead of the 12% interest or 15% of the profit, I'd like to do a five-year note with you at 18% interest. Hmm. And I'm like, sounds good. Where do I sign up? So I cut her a check every summer, every June for 18% interest. It was, you know, she was killing me. It was, it was almost usury, but it was absolutely the best thing I ever did. 18% is the best check I ever wrote. It allowed me to scale up, invest in coaching, buy properties, fund my business. And it was because I educated her about what I was doing, never assuming that she'd be a private lender at all. Interesting. So what was, if you don't mind, how much did she invest with you way back when? What was that, what was that first investment? Yeah. So first investor was $60,000 on a five-year note, five-year balloon, annual interest-only payments. But- Shortly after that, she invested another $100,000 specifically okay. in a deal, first mortgage. So she funded my business, then she funded a deal. And then she referred me to a bunch of other people. And so without her, now I have 250 investors that wow. actively have money with me right now. None of them are institutions. They're all private lenders. It's about 34 million bucks. It all started with my brother's mother-in-law and it just kind of mushroomed out from there. And we got really good at creating a follow-up process so that when we did make that first touch, we introduced them to what we were doing. We didn't sell them. We, we no pressure, but we put them in our drip campaign. Okay. Now we would start emailing them once a week. We would send them a, a, a direct mail newsletter once a month or once a quarter. We'd start inviting them to webinars, no pressure. Right. And then we'd get on the phone with them as well and talk about their goals to the point. Then it would we'd figure out what they wanted to do. And then they were like, yeah, I'm liquid. I'm liquid for 200 grand. I've got 200 grand. Josh, what do you have? Beautiful. Ah, love it. Love it. Love it. Josh, time flies when we're having fun, my friend. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing some amazing, amazing nuggets of wisdom. Yes, we did learn a lot in this short interview. So uh, no worries there. If people want to find out more about you, Josh, and what you're up to, what should they do? 
Yeah, they can visit us really two places, um, freelandlending.com if they want to borrow money. Again, we lend on a lot of multifamily. We joint venture a lot of multifamily and we buy a lot of multifamily. They can go to freelandlending.com and connect with us there. And then I've got a book, The Flip System. They can get it for free. Just pay the shipping and handling. They can go to getflipsystem.com. There they'll learn about my story about fighting pancreatic cancer and some specific tactics like we talked about today in this podcast, specific tactics on what I do to raise private capital. Awesome. Very good. There you have it. Thank you very much, Josh. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. And again, hats off to you for all you've accomplished and for beating cancer. That's yeah, absolutely. fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate you being here. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take care, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. Be very, very much appreciated. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at InvestorAttractionDemo.com. Take care.